Momentum, helping men succeed in life. Hi, this is Momentum Australia with Tim and Des. And today we are actually interviewing Tim. You know, Tim is really good at interviewing and he's interviewed so many people over his 20 plus years in Christian media. But now the shoe's on the other foot. Welcome, Tim. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Des. Actually, it is a little strange being interviewed instead of doing the interviewing because usually, you know, I'm, I'm in that space and you get to, to some degree, control how you want to lead the conversation. Now I'm completely at your whim. So be gentle. I will be, I'll not be brutal. Just uh, by way of introduction, don't forget our website is www.momentumaustralia.org where we have all the podcasts and so forth. So Tim, tell us about your world. You obviously are not Irish and not Australian, so you must come from somewhere else. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm glad that you took those two off. No, look, um, I um, hail from the UK, hence the accent. Uh, born in Yorkshire in the, the middle of uh, the UK back in the, the early 70s, shall we say. And then uh, the early 80s moved up to just outside of Newcastle, right up north. So uh, between those two uh, accents, I mean, if anyone knows a Yorkshire accent, the talk a bit like that, let's do. Uh, and then, of course, when you go get up to, uh, to Newcastle, you're, you're in Geordieland Lake, you know what I mean, Lake? <laughs> so um, they're pretty strong accents. But I came over here when I was 25. And uh, to be honest... Lost the accents pretty quickly, which I'm not sure how that happened, but they just amalgamated into what it is today, which is, I'm not sure what it sounds like. But people pick up on the accent all the time. They're like, where are you from? Actually, it's funny, over the years of being in media, I've had people think that I was Canadian, American, European, which of course is true to some degree, Um, and then Australian, just straight Australian. So yeah, it's been a real mix over the years, but something that seems to gather attention, that's for sure. So tell us about your childhood, Tim, about you growing up and what was the things that impacted you in your world you know, as a young boy and growing up in England? One of the key things is that uh, I don't know the full details and my mum actually passed away earlier this year, but uh, there was some stuff happening in my mum's life when I was born and needless to say, we, we didn't gel well, we didn't bond well for whatever reason. And so there's always been a bit of a strained relationship with my mum, which has carried right through my life, sadly, up until she passed away. That's had a profound effect on how I felt about uh, my family, about my mom, about myself, uh, how I viewed the world. Um, my family were non-Christians, so uh, just a, a traditional family. My dad was a hard worker, um, you know, a great provider, but um, being a post-war child himself was, uh, you know, was very thin on the ground when it comes to emotional support or physical touch, you know, or words of affirmation, you know, the love languages that most of us would know, like he, he, he wasn't really versed in that. Great provider, but as far as being around the house, he was, he was present, but, you know, still kind of absent, if you know what I mean. So family felt, you know, like it wasn't really a loving, warm family. It was an okay family. Like it wasn't bad. It just that it didn't feel like there was a lot of love and, and closeness involved in this family. And then when we moved to Newcastle, we moved away from my mum's family who were in New York. My dad's family had already emigrated to Australia. And so when we moved up to Newcastle, it was just the four of us. And I remember that being really significant in the fact that I'd left a, a good friend base at that stage at school and having to restart that. And, you know, that was tough. And then feeling like we were isolated as well. But one thing I found solace in, and this is, this is a little strange um, when you look at the context of this, but I ended up joining a church choir. So when you think that I come from a non-religious background, 
and you know I'm about seven years of age here. And uh, what happened was the, the the local choir master came into assembly one morning at school and just said, "Hey, we we really need some some new voices. Is anyone interested?" And for some reason, my friends and I thought that it was a good idea to join the local church choir. None of us were Christians, as far as I can remember. And yet that would tell you something about what was on offer in this little town called Hexham, as in like things to do in Hexham were obviously so thin that joining the church choir was an appealing thing to do for non-Christian kids. So we ended up joining the church choir and uh, that was actually really, really powerful. That was a huge positive impact in my life. And I stayed in the choir for about 10 years. Tim, you talked about your... um your childhood and the lack of relationship with your mom and so forth. Can you talk mm. about what that meant for you in terms of your identity and, and if you struggled with that side of your life? Yeah, I've struggled with the rejection of that from my mom uh, a lot in my life. And I've had to do a lot of work in the background with counselling and, you know, personal development and working through that and working through forgiveness of my mom for not being able to love me and accept me for who I was. And, you know, I have an older brother, he's two years older, and she had a great relationship with him. And when we were in our teenagers, when I was a little bit older, and I kind of became aware of uh, this, this, the different way that she would treat him compared with me, and that caused a lot of hurt and therefore a lot of anger for me because I was a young teenager and didn't really know how to express that hurt very well. So, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of struggling with that particularly, and and I, I think when you're young as well, and what I've learned through the journey is that when we are young and we, we have these things happen to us like that that are quite significant, we don't have the capability when we're young to be actually be able to process that in a logical, rational way. Yeah. And so when you're older, you can look at it and go, well, I was just a baby. I was young. Yeah. I wouldn't have done, in inverted commas, anything. Well, what could I, I was just born. Uh, the onus then wasn't necessarily on me. It was the onus on there was something happening for my mum or in my family. But yet, as a child, we don't have the, you know, the ability to rationalise things like that. And so we take it on board on ourselves. And so then we process that as in, well, my mum can't love me. There must be something wrong with me. You know? And so you, you sit in that space and go, well, what's wrong with me? Obviously, she can't love me. Therefore, how can I love myself? And so we we tend to beat up on ourselves a lot, or I certainly did. And, you know, um, not necessarily hated myself, but, but really struggled with accepting myself or if things didn't happen, like I'd be very tough on myself, very hard on myself because there's this script running in the background that says, well, if my mom can't love me and she's my number one caregiver, then there must be something wrong with me. What's wrong with me? And so that's been a theme that has run through my life and sat in the background. To be honest, a lot of it's subconscious until about my, my late 30s when I started really becoming aware of this and doing some work on it. But it sits in the background and, and it does affect everything. It does affect everything. And what I've learned is that, you know, the, the more you push stuff down, um, the, the harder it is ultimately to, to deal with. But, you know, one thing I'm passionate about nowadays, and you know this, is um, having men talk about this stuff. Now, whether it's something like that or something that's happening at work or something in their marriage, because pushing it down only pushes it away. It doesn't deal with it. And it does surface in other ways. So I remember, you know, that, that anger that was pointed at my mum would be 
taken out on other people. And not that I was a violent person, but I was just short. I was just prickly, you know. Uh, you, you know, those people that you walk on with the eggshells, you know, I was that sort of person. And it had nothing to do with the people around me. It was just that I had a whole bunch of stuff happening inside of me that I hadn't processed and it was coming out in other ways. Yeah. And so that has, it has greatly affected my life, absolutely. So, Tim, uh, going on from there, you were in the choir. What happened next in your life? Yeah, so I was a good, so all that time I was in the choir, you know, I was a reasonably good kid. I had good expectations, you know, I, because I was in the choir, I I felt like my life had this different level of, uh, and it sounds odd to say this, but I did, even when I didn't really know the Lord as I know him now, at the age of 15, 16, I felt like my my life had a different level of holiness and purity about it. I I remember even being a teenager and, you know, the way that, that my friends would start talking to uh, about other girls or bringing certain magazines into school and things like that. And that, that just kind of, uh, I just never really engaged with that. There was a different level of um, how I lived my life or, or just felt like who I was that didn't really fit with the norm. Um, but then at the age of 17, uh, I found out that my parents were having some issues in their marriage and that really threw me because even though my family wasn't a close family, like there was stability there. It wasn't an unstable family. But things were starting to happen when I was about 16, and I could just sense that something had shifted in the feel of the house. Uh, There were some arguments happening between my parents. You know, my dad would leave and, you know, go and have a drink with his friends, and yet my dad wasn't a drinker, and he didn't really have too many friends. And I'm like, well, something doesn't sit here. And I find out there was stuff happening in the marriage, and that really rocked me. And to be honest, as I kind of, by my standards, went off the rails a little bit. Um, I'd been to Australia a couple of times seeing my dad's family on holiday. And so, so I thought, I, I just need to get out. I just want to get out. I want to go away to Australia, start a new life. Um, and of course, what we think as a shortcut in ourselves can often be the long way around. And that was certainly the case for me. So I ditched all of my plans to do architecture. And that's what I was going to do leaving school. And I thought, right, I'm just going to get a job and get out of here and get out of this family and go and start a new life in Australia. Well, that eventually happened eight years later. But during that time, I, I'd kind of gone off the rails and, and choir suddenly became something of the past. And then I started filling the void of my mum with relationships with girls. Yeah. And that was me kind of going off the rails, looking for love in all the wrong places, but also kind of rebelling, I suppose, at this family that was supposed to be a safe place. And all of a sudden, this is imploding. And it wasn't even a really warm family anyway. And so where do I fit? And all of this anger and rage just came out and I, I kind of like, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. And cut a long story short, I reached the point where I'm like, I just need to get out. I need to get out of this town. I need to get away from this. And so eventually I made the leap and I actually, in late 98, left England and went, I'm going to Australia. I'm going to start a new life. So this is Momentum Australia. We're talking to Tim Charles, who's our co-host. And so we're interviewing each other as part of this process. And it's really cool. So what were your thoughts at that point when you were sort of getting on a plane to go to Australia? What were you thinking? I was super excited. I was excited. I was a little nervous, of course, but I was excited. And, you know, by that stage, my parents had divorced and I was in the house on my own with my dad. Um, my brother had got married, so he was out of the house. It was just me and my dad. My dad didn't process the marriage breakdown well at all. And so I was around him and that was really hard because he was angry. I was angry. There was a lot of tension in the house. And to be honest, I just couldn't wait to get out. So November 98, I get on the plane. I end up in Perth in Western Australia and I stay with my aunt and uncle. So my dad's sister and 
hubby who'd emigrated out here 20 years before. And so I stayed with them for a few months and I started working in my cousin's plant farm. So plant nursery. So she'd married a guy who uh, he and his brother ran this, this plant farm and she was involved with it. And they said, Hey, you can come and work with us for a short time. So literally I started working there in November and within a couple of weeks, I got working opposite, opposite a, a Filipino guy called Leo. And Leo was a Christian. Cool. And so he would talk about the Lord and he talked about youth group. And because I'd grown up in the church and you know, I'd had 10 years in the church, it didn't kind of phase me. And so when he said to me, do you want to come to youth group? I was like, sure. I mean, I'll come and check out Aussie church. I, I'm sure it's pretty different to what I've grown up in Church of England. So mm-hmm. I remember going to youth group a couple of times and, and it was... A, it was just a weird experience as in not weird as in like, this is so different. There was a part of that, but it was more that every time I'd go, the Lord is doing something in my heart where it was almost at every meeting, I would be crying at the end of the meeting. Wow. There was just these moments where these songs would play. And, and I don't know if anyone's old enough to remember the, the Hillsong album, touching heaven, changing earth, but there was a track on that song called Jesus. You gave it all for me. I think it's track six. Mm. And the, the, the words in that song would just hit my heart every single time. Wow. And generally by the end of the meeting, I would be sat at the back, you know, because I wouldn't go near the front, but I'd be sat at the back just on my own, just crying. Like the Lord was just softening my heart and breaking down some of this stuff that I've been carrying for at this stage, 25 years. And so you think that in November 98, I arrived non-Christian. I started going to a youth group. By the 15th of January, 1999, so two months later, I'd given my, my life to Christ. It was a Friday night. I came out of one of these meetings. There was a couple of the leaders were hanging around, the youth group leaders, and they said, hey, you know, you know they started a conversation. We kind of knew each other, but they were like, do you want to do, do this? And I was like, yeah, I do. And so I remember going into the back room, and there was, I think, three or four of them there, and, and we prayed. And I remember having a, a, just a powerful encounter where there was tears, but I remember like being hit by the Holy Spirit. And I know some people are skeptical about when people fall over in the power of the Lord and whatnot, but that happened to me. Absolutely. I remember being flat on my back and just in tears and just having this beautiful moment with the Lord. And that was the 15th of January, 1999. So that was, that was the beginning. And I remember for the next few months, just being almost like, I've never been high. I've never been drunk, but I can imagine what it would feel like to feel like that. That's how I felt for the next few months, just riding this wave of, I suddenly feel different. I feel like something shifted. I feel like someone now loves me and I've been waiting a long, long time for this. I mean, that's a very powerful message. Obviously, you know, Momentum Australia is about helping men do life and do life better and mm. do life better as better dads, husbands, whatever. What drove you to be involved with that sort of ministry? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and, and I can give you a very straight answer. So I was in worship teams with my wife for many, many years, you know, we spent the best part of our marriage, which was 11 years in and out of worship teams. And because I can sing and drum, not together terribly well, but I can do the both. And so I would often be up on stage and, you know, we were serving most weekends. And so every, you know, every weekend, and we were in a fairly large church here in Perth, um, uh, we'd look out over the congregation and there'd be 1,500, maybe 2,000 people in the congregation. And of course, a big spectrum of that were men. Mm-hmm. And when I went through my first divorce, I remember uh, it took a long time for the church to reach out. They didn't really know how to handle that. They weren't 
you know, they, they didn't really know how to handle it too well. And so as often we do generically in human nature, when we're not sure about something, we either go and investigate it or we, we leave it alone. Yeah. And sadly, my experience was that I got left alone by the church and that initially hurt me. Yes. But over a period of time and, and laying that before the Lord, I then had this compassion and this overwhelming sense of then if I was up on stage most weeks and I was in Christian radio, people knew me. I was a fairly well-known person in the church, and yet I went through my first divorce pretty much on my own. And therefore, I had this sense of compassion to go, well, then if that was me, how many more men did I look at at every single week in the congregation who might be going through something but have nowhere to turn? Yes. They might be struggling and not have a place that they can have an honest conversation. Mm-hmm. And so really, days, my, my heart for men came out of that space as my own journey to go, well, I walked that journey on my own. And I would hate for other men to do that because it was tough. There was moments where I didn't want to live. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. There was moments where I, I wanted to end my life. And there's one profound moment where the Lord actually met me in that space. And that's a whole other story for another time. But there was moments that were very dark and very bleak and very lonely. My family was back in England and I'm walking through this journey alone. And what I thought was my church family were no longer there either. And so there was this sense of compassion eventually that came out of that space to go, well, then I don't want men to be doing life alone. I love the fact that you, uh, you're so passionate about helping men do life better. It's great. Really cool. Mm. We've been talking to Tim Charles, who's been around the Christian radio broadcasting business for quite some time, 20 years plus, and we've just been interviewing him about life and times and his life experience. We just want to thank you, Tim, for your time today. It's been really cool to get to know you better, and I, I believe there's lots of stuff that you've talked about that will really help men. But before we go, can you give me maybe two or three key pointers for men that really you think would help them do life better? Sit and be honest with yourself about where you're at, about who you are. Mm. Is there stuff in the backstory that you can see that is affecting you now? Sit down and, and just take stock of where you are right now and what might be some of the things that you need to actually start looking into and, and delving into that may be uncomfortable, but ultimately you're going to produce good fruit in your life. So that's the first thing. Have an honest conversation with yourself. And so having those conversations, finding people in your life that can do life with you, that can hold you accountable to things, um, you know, that can encourage you in the things of the Lord, but also encourage you to be the best version of you as well. That has been an incredible foundation and platform for me to build my life on. And knowing that he is there when I felt abandoned and isolated by other people has been a real platform for me. So it's faith, it's other people and being honest with ourselves and before the Lord does. I think these are key things to, to moving forward. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. Thanks, Des. For more information, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org.